Morning has turned to afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. But the grind carries on. Not just the grind physically, but the grind mentally. The Midday Grind, featuring a couple of TV jockeys who've also been through the radio wars. <laughs> serious? Martin Kilcoin. I was a little lit, so I was saying whatever I wanted. And Charlie Marlowe. Our top story tonight, John Jay will be back tomorrow. Here's him getting a hit in 2012. It's the Midday Grind on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. Wednesday edition here, the Coveted Hour, the Midday Grind, coming to you live from O'Fallon, Missouri. We want to tell you all about a McBride home that you can win. It's part of a blues raffle. Winning raffle tickets going to receive a brand new home, and the proceeds will benefit four St. Louis school districts. How cool is this? Sign up, get registered for the Blues for Kids Home for Education Raffle. Initiative allows fans to purchase raffle tickets for a chance to win a McBride home's Berwick model, three bedrooms, two and a half baths, valued at $250,000. It's located right here where we are, the Cobblestone Crossing community in O'Fallon, Missouri. Very cool. You can get involved, and the drawing is going to be on April 1st, and those school districts that will benefit include Ferguson, Normandy, Riverview Gardens, and St. Louis Public Schools. So overall, the funds are going to provide additional educational opportunities for more than 40,000 st louis kids so from now until 7 p.m on monday april 1st you can purchase those tickets and you can do that at the blues website stlewisblues.com slash home raffle that's really the theme right now isn't it raffles the billiken raffle that dr chaffetz announced on this show yesterday is taking place this afternoon if you heard chris may the athletic director at slu mentioned it 1300 students signed up for the chance to win 25 seats. It's a chartered flight. Dr. Chaffetz picking up the tap. What I yeah. wasn't able to determine. A 1% chance. Or 2%. Is that what it I is? rounding up a 2% chance of getting a chartered flight. Now, I'm wondering if you're 21 and you win, and it's a chartered flight. Can you, you're bringing a cooler with you? Can you bring you? something aboard? Is that allowed? You must be a SLU student to have registered. That closed out this morning. It's, it's amazing how quickly the word traveled. Because Dr. Chaffetz said it on the show yesterday. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to throw 50000 towards this uh, initiative to get students out there to San Jose, which is really cool because we've said it. The boosters usually pay the players. Here we've got a wow. booster. Not at SLU. Not at no, 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 no. At other, some of the other programs. School's like south of us. Yes. But now you've got a booster who's wanting to pay the students. How cool is that? The problem was it came out over the air, and he said, hey, I'm going to break some news here. Everybody said, great, what are the details? And as soon as the show ended, I contacted some SLU people, and they said, great, what are the details? Well, the issue is he announced it on the midday grind, which were not, especially in terms of events, not the most detail-oriented. Like, we're still waiting for the Fast Eddie's get-together for the midday grind. This is not a shot at Martin here because, this, (laughs) for example, this actually got done. They came up with a plan, drew a raffle together. Now, he also said he was challenging SLU to match it. I don't know if SLU matched the 50000 I'm not oh. sure. 
I started doing the math. That's what a terrible person I am. I started doing the math. Well, 50,000, 25 kids. How much is each ticket? You know, but they are going to charter a flight. The raffle is coming up later today at 4.30. We did check in with Chris May, the athletic director. Tournament begins, I guess, I mean, the first four is going on. So technically it's underway. But really it begins in full on Thursday. And I do like the fact that you can be a fairly Dickinson and say you've won a tournament game. There's some of the weird lingo they use. When it was the third, the second round was actually the third round, and the first round was called the second round. It was so stupid, and it's it's a little bit in line with me caring about jersey numbers a little too much. No, I agree with you on this, though. It used to bother me when they would call the round of 64 the second round. If you look now, and if you look historically at Slew's resume, it'll say, Went to the third round. You're like, wow. Sweet 16. Wow, they went to the third round? Like, well, no, they won one game. So that's the third round because because See, of the stupid playing games. How do were, you not just call them the – how do you not just call it the playing round? Well, they've gone back. They've playing changed. Playing round, round one, round two, sweet 16. But because so it was labeled so awkwardly or incorrectly originally in the history books, it still comes up that way. Hey, Billikens were in the third round under Majerus. They were in the third How round. How long have under... we been doing the playing games at this point? Nine, ten years? Oh, at least. Well, has it been, has it been, they bulked up versions what, by about yeah, four years. Yeah, what playing maybe? game are we talking? They've I'm talking the games. four. Oh, the four. Because they've Dayton done the first four. They've done 65 since I was in grade school, I remember. That's true. But I feel like that when it was just the 65th one, no one – there wasn't this issue yet. Were people? I mean, was were, this did is we have, when, did they, we have the they, round one issue when it was just the one playing game? I don't think so. They got to sixty-eight. That's what I'm saying. I, I think, it's, I I think, think that's it when, when it started. I think it when it became the four-team play, and that's when it became its own round, and that's where we got this confusion. So I'm saying the four-team play-in's nine or ten years old. Uh I think so. About that, maybe a little. Is it a little more? Maybe a little less. Maybe a little actually. less. Okay. Yeah. I've lost track, but I I'm glad to. that I'm glad that a 16 seed playing a but 16 I'm, seed yeah. still means you won a tournament game. I like that. I didn't like that they call it the third round. Chuck Marlowe on Twitter last night said, "Normally, I wouldn't bet a 16 seed Liar. versus a 16 Liar. seed." And then Liar. I think he immediately said, "Okay, I actually would." He 100 percent would. But he used Twitter for insight for his gambling insight. Oh, I voted on that. Did I win? Because I want to cut. And the winning vote was for him to take Fairly Dickinson in that game. I don't remember who I voted for. So I think if you were online, you probably are due a percentage. I think I had him pick Fairly Dickinson. So you're entitled. I, to I study the 16 seeds, Martin. So I was thinking, you know, they better guard play. Fairly Dickinson has. They're good in the paint and across the perimeter. Good defense. They're efficient. And I thought that that would let yes, them get, thank uh, you. Nothing would get them me, over Prairie View A&M. Nothing would make me happier than checking the box score and seeing that their center had like 35 points. <laughs> the, guard, the guards were over from the, the field. Well, I mean, they, I, they I get up and thinking. down the court real well. <laughs> this was they like to thinking, Rock. They, won, they won the game 45-32. They really, you know, they've been down there. They play at a fast pace. That's a veteran team. They've been together a long time. Actually, they start four juniors. <laughs> yeah, but those guys have been together <laughs> A long time. Uh, it's, it's three sophomores, a uh, freshman, and a junior. <laughs> Sorry, Martin. A, a couple of gaffes that were uh, announced yesterday by some of our favorite announcers. Mike Francesa commented that, well, a 16 has never beaten a one Oh, no, seed. what's happened? Virginia lost to a 16 seed just last year by 20. The best response to it was Maryland-Baltimore County, UMBC, when it was noted on Twitter that Francesa said, well, a 16's never beaten a one. UMBC said, I think he was retired at the time <laughs> because he did have a brief retirement. It was a great comeback by UMBC, whose name will live 
forever. If you're a student and you go to Maryland, Baltimore County, let's say you interview for a job in Chicago in two years. Somebody up there is going to say, hey, are you guys are you guys good at basketball? Or didn't you do just something big? And That stuff lives on forever. Marquette wins the title in 1977. I'm going to school up there in 87, 88. The teams are terrible. I mean, just garbage. Bob Duquette, a coach. Frank always mentions the coaches who were jerks that went to Marquette, that coached at Marquette. <laughs> Nobody mentions Bob Duquette because he was nice, but he was terrible. He was nice, but he was terrible. Nice but terrible. Well, that's a good segment. Nice but nice terrible. Nice but terrible. It would literally just, I mean, no, we can't do that to Kim Anderson. He was nice but terrible. Yeah, we, I'm just saying, I feel like he was be, great at Central Missouri. Great guy. <laughs> this is literally just a compilation of every time we go, great guy, but. but This happened to me at Rams camp in Macomb. It might have been our buddy Artis when I went up and I said it was, you know, middle of camp. 2003 or whenever it was, and I said, hey, uh, today, he's like, who are you looking for? Because you're always doing a different feature, different angle. And I said, uh, give me Jamie Duncan and Kim Herring. Oof. And he said. Big show. And he said, wait a minute, man, are you doing the piece on nice guys who suck? And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, they were both mild disappointments. Snip that one out. Both mild disappointments. And he's thinking, Marty loves a negative. They were free agent signings <laughs> that didn't quite live up to the hype, and that was kind of I was going to kind of politely go there as a uh, interviewer, but I think it was sniffed out pretty early. Nice but terrible. My point was, when your school has some cachet, and granted, winning a national championship is different than a first round upset, however monumental uh, it is. A lot of national champions, Martin. Only one 16 seed has beaten a one seed. Well, that's true. He's a national champion every year. But my point was, ten years later. I'd be home on winter break, and they'd say, oh, where are you going to school? I'd say, oh, I'm at Marquette. They'd go, oh, great basketball. Kind of like Trump on our football teams. Oh, good football. Well, not really. I got that, too, because. And I'd say, well, we're actually, we're, we're really bad. And they're like, oh, is that right? I thought you guys were good. Because they just remembered the fact that they had been 10 years earlier with Al McGuire. So it just lived on. So my point is, Maryland, Baltimore County. Forever. The cachet of that and that name. Oh, yeah, I did. You guys always uh, make runs in the tournament. Well, no, we won one game. We uh, won one because of Dwayne. Two, I guess because of Dwayne Wade. I'll always assume that Marquette's winning twenty-two games. At That's least. what I got. Like I literally, I, 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 if you guys had never told me that they had a bad year, and you asked me when was the last time they lost, like more, you know, they they didn't win nineteen games, I would have guessed middle nineties or something. They like went that. five they more just... years without winning a tournament <laughs> game after the final four run. It wasn't until oh eight. Even it's... when I was applying in early in my freshman year, I started in oh seven, it was oh yeah, the final four, Dwayne Wade. I'm like, yeah, they haven't done it a whole a lot ago. since then, but yeah. And, and and then they do turn out a lot of good players, but it's like Jimmy Butler wasn't tearing down, you know, the the big East when he was at Marquette. He was a solid player, but he wasn't, you know, he was pretty good. He, he was good. He was pretty good. But you didn't know of him nationally. No, he did not. Yeah, you're right. He, he, didn't was, know he was him a very good player in that league, but he was not. And he was a JUCO transfer, so he wasn't there. Oh, he was. That's okay. He, he was wasn't there for a long time. That, By the way, actually. the first four, as we know it now, began in 2011. I probably should say this again in the day, but okay, so one of the teams in the very first four, first four, VCU. That was their final four run. They were a first they four. They were a first four team. And then oh, made it to the final four. made it all four. the way to the final four. Well, think about Wichita State, which is, again, not a huge program, but they made it to a final four. They had some really good teams. 
10 years from now, if you tell somebody, yeah, I went to Wichita State, they're going to say, oh, good basketball, right? What has George Mason done since 2006? Hey, those guys are always good. See, now here's the difference between, and this is why the George Mason one. Except we have no idea. We don't right. think. We don't know. See, see, again, I don't, we don't think, care. I, I think it's a little different for me, at least, in that George Mason, I don't think of them as being good. I remember their run. Both Wichita State and Marquette, I think that they've been good for, like, a solid decade now because they have players in the league that you remember it's like, yeah, Ron Baker isn't good in the NBA, but Ron Baker made it to the NBA, so I mean, Wichita State's got to be not trash, right? If Greg Marshall coached Marquette, Frank would bring him up all the time. Fred Van Vliet. Right. Correct. Correct. Fred Van Vliet's a legitimate player. <laughs> How about the fact we stumbled into another new segment, not trash. <laughs> Terrible, but nice. I can't mean, if, if, if nice. Butler had one more good player, I'd assume they were good more often. Terrible, but nice. Not trash. Uh, does your tire dealer know your name? Head to your local independent tire dealer shop where you will receive personalized service and great deals on tires. Your local independent tire dealer is a place where you'll receive dependable service performed by dependable people. All of their shops are committed to helping guide you through the tire buying maze. ITD features general tires. Get up to a $70 Visa prepaid card with the purchase of four qualified general tires now until April 30th. Find your local independent tire dealer at ITD Roll. Dot com and ITD aboard for some of our expanded Billikens coverage. Yeah, Friday will be a, a big Billikens show, looking at the, the Virginia Tech game and also looking at great moments of Billikens tournament past. It will not affect the baseball show, will no, it? God, no. No, of course not. Which, by the way, Charlie Marlowe seems to miss a lot of midday grind shows. But on Fridays, we're done at 1. <laughs> he turns to Hoffman every week and says, so you uh, – you want me to hang for the uh, baseball <laughs> show? Five ninety baseball last Friday. <laughs> like he's Tim Kirk or Peter Gammons. Yeah. he's always. You, you want me to stick around? Hey, we do have some hockey talk. The Blues seven to two winners last night over the Oilers and Andy Strickland. I gave you, I mocked you earlier when you weren't listening, but I also gave you credit because you and I talked in the tunnel before the game. I said, "Why isn't Edmonton better?" And you said their defense is terrible, and they went out and gave up seven goals. So for that, Strick, I'm giving you my number one star. Uh, thank you very much. I could use that. I could use a little pep up today, so I appreciate that, Marty, you know, and they're not very good, you know, and, um, you know, people look at the Edmonton roster and you see the best player in the world, I guess arguably the best player in the world. I still think Sidney Crosby is the best player in the National Hockey League. If I had to pick one player today who would be on my team, I'd go with Crosby. But McDavid is so good. You just have to wonder what the NHL thinks, that he's kind of buried there in Edmonton. I mean, he still has major star power, and he still is a brand of the National Hockey League, but Talk about a franchise that's going to miss the playoffs for the 12th time in the last 13 years, and there's just no signs of them getting better. They're going to bring in a new GM this offseason. We'll see who they go with and who the head coach is next season. But at the end of the day, you need players if you want to win in the National Hockey League, and they don't have enough good ones. Schwartz with a hat trick last night. Uh, I know it's been a frustrating season for him, frustrating stretch. I guess you hope that that's a sign of things to come. We focused on the top line being reunited. Then last night, the second line players, the Perrons and Schwartz of the world, went nuts. This is what they're going to need, right, moving forward. If this team's going to make any kind of deep run, you're going to have to have something beyond the top line. You know, 100%. Uh, and this is not Colton Perego. This is not, but, but still 100% there, Marty. You're going to need that for sure. Um, you know, you look at the Blues over the course of the season, their biggest deficiency has probably been secondary scoring. They haven't gotten enough of it. I mean, for the most part, their secondary scoring has come from the back end, from their defense, where they lead the National Hockey League in goals scored by defensemen this season. They're somewhere around that 45 goal mark, 45, 46, somewhere in that range. You can double-check that one for end of the day. 
Um, but now you're seeing Pat Maroon, who's got goals in three straight. That ties a career high. Um, you see David Perron coming back in the lineup. That's huge. You know, he gets to the 20-goal mark. And, you know, people focus so much on Tarasenko, and, and that top line has carried so much of the weight this season offensively, whoever Ryan O'Reilly has been playing with. But, you know, Tarasenko, at the end of the day, he's allowed to go into a dry spell. Um, and that's where you need your other players to step up, and they hadn't gotten enough of that throughout the course of the year, and now we're starting to see it come on. You know, coming into the season, they were hoping they were going to get 15 goals from Robbie Fabry, wondering at least if he'd be able to get back to that level and be that guy. And obviously, um, it's going to take some more time for Fabry to get back up to speed, you know, in terms of becoming the player that, you know, we saw when he first entered the National Hockey League. Um, but Bozak's starting to come around. Um, like I mentioned, you know, Sunquist and some of these guys have had bright spots throughout the course of the year and certainly have been much improved players. But you need offense on a consistent basis from your second and third lines if you're going to have success, not just in the regular season, but specifically in the playoffs. I mean, typically in the playoffs, the top lines cancel each other out. So it can't just be your big guns to carry you game in and game out. It's going to have to be other players. And the good news is for the St. Louis Blues and their fans, you're starting to see some big-time signs and and some guys breaking out of maybe some season-long slumps. We focus a lot on who's in goal. Jordan Bennington started last night. You know, a couple of bad moments there late when it was a four-zip lead, becomes 4-2. But it does seem down the stretch, you think they'll kind of ride him more times than not, and basically Jake will play every once in a while, but it's going to be Bennington most nights? Well, I always believe that you got to settle in on one goaltender down the stretch. Now, you may need two in the playoffs. I mean, obviously, each series takes on a life of its own. Each game takes on a life of its own. So things can certainly change over the course of a playoff series. But you have to settle in on a guy. And I think now the schedule allow you, allows you to do that. You know, they're playing every other night here on this homestand. You've got four games at home, only two more back-to-backs for the rest of the season. So – Craig Berube is on the same page there. I think he looks at it that way. And, you know, Jordan Bennington is going to be the guy entering the playoffs. There's no doubt that he's going to be in net when the playoffs begin, barring a drastic uh, setback from him, you know, if he just, you know, completely falls off the cliff here. And I don't anticipate that happening just in terms of how solid he's been. So I think we can assume that Jordan Bennington is going to be the guy. Um, and now the schedule allows you to settle in with him and let him get the bulk of the games over the course of these next nine. And again, you know, what, six of the next nine are at home. They've got those back-to-backs on the East Coast against the Devils and the Rangers. Um, and then obviously you've got the uh, the game in Chicago. That's an NBC game. Those are the only three road games that you have left. And again, only two sets of back-to-backs. So Jake is going to get in there and play a couple more games. I would imagine he'll get a home game at some point before the year's over as well. Um, possibly, although that's not a guarantee. But you're going to see Craig Berube settle in and lock in with Jordan Bennington down the stretch, and he's going to become the guy if he's not already. And Pat Maroon has found his scoring touch of late, four out of the, I think, four goals the last six games. Do you think, and I talked to him a little bit pregame, uh, you know, the, candidly, the big rig and I are very tight. <laughs> but do you think some of his early, and he's not a high-scoring guy, but do you think some of it was just the pressure you know, he signed a one-year deal. He's in his hometown. Do you think that that was natural that he would feel some of that early on? Maybe a little bit, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, a player's got to own it when you don't perform well. And you know, he just didn't play good enough to score early on. And you know, Pat Maroon can score. You go back to his last two seasons combined; he had 44 goals in the NHL, including a 27-goal campaign. So did that two years ago with Edmonton. This guy can score goals. He scored a lot of goals in the NHL. I think he's approaching 100 career goals, somewhere in that range. So it's not like he hasn't scored in the past. 
but you know his game just wasn't there. Um, maybe there was some pressure early on in the season. If you remember, he started the season on the top line, playing with Tarasenko and O'Reilly. He was getting the first power play minutes. And, you know, once you get that opportunity and the offense doesn't come, then maybe you can start to really, you know, feel the pressure. And his game just wasn't, um, you know, coming along as quickly as he would have wanted it to. Uh, there were rumors that he had to deal with about him being traded, about him going on waivers. I mean, there was so much stuff taking place. Again, like you mentioned, he's playing in his hometown. His family is here. You know, distractions come with that. But I love the way that he's handled it in terms of, uh, you know, how he's turned things around now. Um, because these are the type of goals that he's scored over the course of his career, you know, right around the net, using his frame, his size and strength around the net to be able to beat goaltenders. He's not going to beat them from the outside. He's never been a great goal scorer off the rush, Um, but he's got a good stick. He's got good hands and good skill. And again, you just can't, you know, you teach the, the size that he brings. I mean, he brings a brand to his game that not too many guys have in the national hockey league. I mean, I'm not saying he's high-end and he's a big-time scorer. That's that's not what I'm saying. But in terms of his brand and and how he protects the puck and how he can control his shifts down low, below the goal line, um, you know, we're now starting to see him control the puck, Marty, and then be able to make a play after he, you know, escapes a defender and separates from a defender. He wasn't doing that early on. He'd hang on to it, but it didn't result in any type of scoring chance or any type of playmaking situation whatsoever. Now we're starting to see that. And that's what he's always been. So, again, you talk about good signs and the way that Craig Ruby is now able to, you know, slot guys the way he sees fit with his lines, having a full, healthy forward group. Um, this is the most healthy they've been all season long. You've always been missing somebody, whether it's Perron or Tarasenko or Shen or whoever's been out of the lineup. Now everybody's healthy. And you look at the way they looked last night in terms of their ability to roll four lines, who was in the lineup. And I, I really liked it. And it. It's the most cohesion I think that we've seen from shift to shift in quite some time with the St. Louis Blues hockey team. Now, I know they're not going to score seven goals every night, but if you play more nights than not like they did last night, this is a team that has a chance in the West when you look at some of the matchups here. I mean, if they are healthy and playing at a higher level like they've been for the most part for the last couple of months, this team on paper, and you study it well, you know the other team's rosters inside now. Is this a team that – should be able to make some type of run. I really believe so. I mean, um, it all comes down to goaltending. It's not just goaltending, but if you don't get goaltending, you have no chance. But if you get goaltending, then you have a good chance as long as the rest of your game co- comes along with it. So, so goaltending is obviously the most important position once it gets to the playoffs because a goaltender can certainly steal you a game in a series. I mean, we saw that a few years ago with Jake Allen in Minnesota. Uh, in that overtime game when he made 50-plus saves in game one, and they ended up winning the series, and he stole that game and, and was the best player for the Blues in that playoff series. So if you can get some goaltending from, from Jordan Bennington, and you look at the way the Blues are defending right now, and they're going to get Joel Levinson back. He skated this morning. I think he's skated now three or four days in a row. So you'll get him back. Carl Gunnarsson is getting closer. Um, you know, who they roll with as their top six, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, does Gunnarsson make it into their top six? Is he able to get healthy enough to play three or four games down the stretch before the end of the regular season? I'm interested to see how that plays out. But again, if you can get, like I said, the secondary scoring, some good special teams, um, and, and, and get some luck, because at the end of the day, you're going to need some luck. And I, and I like the matchup. If St. Louis fa- faces Nashville in the first round, which is a good possibility, I mean, it looks like it's going to be Nashville or Winnipeg. 
and we'll see how it plays out. I like the matchup against Nashville more than Winnipeg. Um, they could beat both teams. Winnipeg, their goaltending with, with, with Connor Hellebuck, he hasn't been as consistent as he was last year, but, you know, they can play any style they want, plus they can beat you up. And even if you get past Winnipeg, I mean, that's going to be a grinded-out series, and you're going to be banged up once you get out of that first round. If they can draw a first-round matchup with Nashville, I like the way that looks for St. Louis. They've won three of the four matchups against Nashville this season, and I think they're a better team than the Predators, and they've proven that over the course of the second half of the season. So, again, we'll be scoreboard watching down the stretch here, but um, if, if you get a St. Louis versus Nashville, Nashville matchup, it would be great for the fans but it'd be even better for the fans because I think it's a very winnable matchup for St. Louis as well. Uh, Strick, I know you're at the rink. I don't know if you were listening earlier, but we had your guy, part of your staff, Chris May, on the program, and uh, yes. he was very disappointed that you didn't have the Billikens back. Uh, and He said that he's now asking to leave your staff because mm. he felt you didn't support SLU's basketball team this year. And it was, it was very awkward, i got to be honest with you. So uh, anything you want to say about the Billikens' future run in the NCAA tournament? They're playing Friday. Well, well, I let, yeah, they're playing Friday. What is it, like 857? Not 858, correct. 857, correct? You're a night owl. Stay up for it. All right, I'm looking forward to it. Where's the party at? <coughs> Frank hasn't. Well, Frank's going to be out of town. We should, in Mexico. We should go to his house. <laughs> we should offer to let those little dogs out. Party at Frank's. What do you guys say? Let's do it. Who, who, who let the dogs out? No, Chris May is my guy. I'm happy for him. Happy for Corey Tate. Um, you know, this is kind of the Billiken team that I think people expected to see when the season began. Not a team that was under 500 in a marginal conference, right? I, mean, I think they expected this team to be much better than what they were in the regular season. And, hey, there's nothing wrong with picking it up and all of a sudden finding your game when it really counts in a postseason tournament and now punching your ticket to the dance. So, Listen, everybody's excited. They're rallying around it. I think it's great that we have a local team that's going to be in the NCAA tournament. I mean, there's nothing worse than an NCAA tournament where you don't have a local team. And I count Mizzou, obviously, as a local team. So um, this makes it at least a little bit fun. And we've seen teams have their runs and get to the Sweet 16. Anything is possible in today's college basketball. I mean, the separation from, you know, a 13 seed versus a fourth seed, a four seed, isn't nearly, you know, as as, as you know, the gap isn't as big probably as what it used to be. So I'm not going to sit here and make any type of predictions, but would I be surprised if SLU had an upset in the first round with the way college basketball has been the last couple of years? Absolutely not. And I hope they can pull it off. I'm ordering my uh, Hassan French jersey as we speak. Thank you. Thank you. French-Canadian, okay. of course, is what Strickland would prefer. Of course he went with somebody French. Strick, we will talk can to I, you on I, the slop. I'd like to see more support, though, from the Billiken students. I know Frank Cusimano had a tweet yesterday of, the fans, the students celebrating as the team was getting on the bus. I think I counted like eight students and 28 media members. I'd like to see some more students oh, out there banging on, on the drum. No, I, agree. I, I agree. I would like. They had a nice turnout Sunday night in their return. I agree. You want to? Let's see. I counted Solly, Luis. I counted Frank. Was uh, <laughs> let's see. Ackerman was not there. All right, we'll talk to I think I'm hosting the slop on Friday. Yeah, you I are. Have, I have not agreed to this yet, but I believe I'll see you on yes. Friday at 10. Don't be spreading any bad rumors to my guy, Chris May. By Always. Way. He knows. He knows. Always. I've got my head on To, be, to be fair, to be fair, it did. To be fair, it did not come off. So you're 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 okay. okay. Strick is with us from good. the rink. The Blues will host the Detroit Red Wings, coming off the seven-two win over Edmonton. Then on Saturday, Tampa Bay, the number hey, one team, points are like not even close. They're just dominating in terms of point total. Uh, part of a four-game homestand. 
for your St. Louis Blues. And speaking of the tournament with March Madness here, time to get your bracket up and running. You can do that at my bookie. Would you rather sit in the office staring at it and say, oh, I wish I would have wish I would have called in sick today. Yeah, call in sick. You can do that. Or just get online and gamble. Either way, either way you're having fun. You want to be part of it. You want to place some bets like Chuck Marlowe. How about doing it with my bookie? Someone you trust. They've been in business for years. They're growing like wildfire. Best part is they pay out fast. So when you call that 12 over 5, give me a good 12 over 5. I'd say, who's Mississippi State playing? They're probably going down. Wisconsin's yeah. Yeah. at 12 5. Yeah. I mean, th- those are the games I'm looking at right, right. now. Not the other 12 5. Not, not the <laughs> one that everybody's picking. No. You're all wrong. Make sure you get to celebrate by pocketing some cold, hard cash. All right? March Madness is exciting. Even Grandma's filling out a bracket. Place your bets with my bookie and do it now before you miss out. They're going to match your deposit with a 50% bonus. Just use the promo code RADIO to activate the offer. It's that simple. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid only at MyBookie.ag.